Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 and good morning i'm gary randall thank you so much for joining me today it's an honor today is monday october the 26 2020 in the year of our lord today on october 26 1774 the very first continental congress adjourned in philadelphia they'd wrapped up their work for that session they went back to a real life after they had completed Congress. It's changed now. All of our elected officials are career people. That's all they do. We elect them on the West Coast. They spend the rest of their life living on the East Coast, except when they come home to get our votes and tell us they feel our pain. And I know that sounds cynical. I'm not cynical, but it's (laughs) the whole public service idea has morphed a long way from what the original original Continental Congress had in mind, but nonetheless, they they adjourned the first one today in 1774. That would be less than two years before they would be and we all would be involved in America in the Great War with the Great British Empire, the Revolutionary War. Today in 1825, the Erie Canal reopened in upstate New York, connecting the Erie Lake Erie and the Hudson River That was a big boon for commerce, of course, in that part of the country, and it still is. Today in 1861, the legendary Pony Express officially ceased operations. They gave way to the transcontinental telegraph. The Pony Express ran from St. Joseph, Missouri to Sacramento, California. You would think all the stories, the movies, all of the legends around the around the Pony Express, you would think that they probably did that, carried mail across the country for several years, but they didn't. The Pony Express actually only lasted 18 months, but there have been more stories and legends and movies and TV shows and so on when they used to make Western TV shows um, about uh, uh, about the Pony Express. And those guys were unique. The the alternative to the Pony Express, I've studied this in history because I am really interested in it. In fact, there was a time in my life when I wanted to be a Pony Express rider. I was six or seven or eight years old. I also wanted to be Roy Rogers. I never wanted to be Dale Evans, but I wanted to be a lot of things when I was a kid. But one of them was I wanted to be a Pony Express rider. I didn't know they only lasted 18 months, and they were out of style at that time. But nonetheless, um, they would travel 75 to 100 miles per day. They would change horses about every 10 miles. And there's a lot. Uh, the, oh, the competition to them was uh, either, you know, by, by ship, which took a long time, or by stagecoach, which also took a long time. The Pony Express actually cut in half the time to get a letter from the east, uh, well, from St. Joe, Missouri, to California, to Sacramento, cut it in half from any other means available until, of course, the telegraph. 
That's probably more than you wanted to know about the Pony Express, so I'll move along here. Today in 1881, the gunfight at O.K. Corral took place in Tombstone, Arizona. Wyatt Earp, his two brothers, Doc Holliday, they confronted the Clanton gang. Three members of the Clanton gang were killed. Earp's brothers and Holliday were all wounded. It really happened. My son and I were in Phoenix some years ago. I was doing a little bit of business, and he was with me, and Marjorie was not with us. So he and I decided we neither of us had ever been to Tombstone, so we decided we wanted to go to Tombstone. We assumed it was just a short drive from uh, from Phoenix. Well, it isn't a short drive. But anyway, we rented a car and took off, and uh, we drove down there. It took, seemed like it was 10,000 miles. But anyway, we went to Tombstone, spent the day, and uh, <clears throat> it was kind of interesting memory. We have not been back since, but uh, nonetheless, there's a real tombstone. And uh, the locals will tell you all about Wyatt Earp, his brothers, the gangs, and the O.K. Corral. Today in 1949, President Harry S. Truman signed a measure raising the minimum wage from 40 to 75 cents an hour. Today in 1979, South Korean President Park Chung-hee was shot to death by the head of the Korean Central Intelligence Agency. Today in 1984, Baby Faye. Remember Baby Faye, a newborn with a severe heart defect? Baby Faye was given a heart of a baboon in an experimental transplant in Loma Linda, California. Baby Faye lived 21 days with the animal heart. <clears throat> I also noticed today when I was looking at a number of things in history, one thing or another, I noticed that uh, Pat Sajak, the host of Wheel of Fortune, he's 74 years old today. I noticed also, as I noticed Pat Sajak was 74 years old today, that Hillary Rodham Clinton, is 73 years old today, and she is still complaining. I mean, today, she's in the news, and over the weekend, she was explaining why she lost the election in 2016. Man, she's going to have to let go of that at some point, because the whole world has moved on, except for her and probably her family. I don't know, but she's still talking about how she lost and why she lost and how she could have won, if only. Well, I'll tell you, that's not only, you know, I mean, it's not only wearisome, it's it's also not good for her mental health. She needs to let that go, but that's her decision, not mine, obviously. Judge Amy Coney Barrett is scheduled to be confirmed today. I want to talk to you just a little bit about that process because it has to do with a lot of things. Most importantly, it has to do with Roe v. Wade, abortion, on demand, legalized killing of unwanted babies in America, a nation founded on Christian biblical principles, Judeo-Christian principles. We have now slaughtered about 60 million children that we didn't want. God does not look favorably upon that, and I think most of us know it that are listening to this program today, and those who may be listening today that don't know it, you should. That does not please God, and God is in control, and ultimately God will have the last word on such things. So those of us who are Christians, pro-life in America, we see the importance of addressing this issue and doing everything we can possibly do 
to address the issue of abortion. It's barbaric. It's ancient. The barbarians were doing this, but you would think that, particularly the progressives, who are always talking about being in an evolved state of mind, in an evolved world, you would think that they would have evolved to where they would see that the sanctity of life is real and life has value. But progressivism and relativism has taken the mind of the man and the woman who embrace it the other way. They've become more barbaric, not less. That tells you that progressivism is a self-defeating, ultimately destructive belief. Half of America embrace, to one degree or another, progressivism. That's why our nation is so deeply divided today. It has little to do with being a republic or a Republican or a Democrat. It has everything to do with what we believe in our hearts. Because what a man believes or a woman believes in their heart, so are they. So is he. The Bible says that we are what we believe in our heart. And so it is that America is deeply divided. And the, the media struggles with this. They get a dry mouth. They take a glass of water. They keep talking. They never stop talking. They're always learning, but they're never coming to an understanding of the truth. The media can't quite understand, and perhaps there are a few that do, and they don't want to admit it, but they can't quite understand the divide. They still think it has to do with political affiliation. Political affiliation has to do with what a person believes in their heart. If they want to remake America, if they want to destroy America, if they want to take down America, and they say they do, then progressivism is the path that they choose. If those of us who believe that America was providential, if we believe that it is not only an exceptional country, but it was a country that providence, that God himself smiled upon because of the founding father's commitment to Judeo-Christian values, biblical truth, then we see it as a country to preserve and certainly improve. And, and create a, as we say, a more perfect union. The left has co-opted that phrase, and they call a more perfect union being that that eliminates God and all Judeo-Christian principles, secularizes, totally secularizes America, including abortion on demand, or even if you just suggest, not even demand, abortion. Of course you can have an abortion. That's a woman's right. It's woman's health care. That's not killing babies. It's a woman's health care. It's a woman's right. I've heard that a thousand times over this election cycle. Women's health care. We have to protect women's health care. What they're talking about is we have to protect the killing of unwanted babies. And when you put it in, in a reality context, it's still shocking to the senses. That's why they use these other words to try to hide and shade and shadow and fog up the truth so people won't really think about what it is that we're saying is a woman's right. So Amy Coney Barrett has come down to be the symbol, really, of what looks like the future. There is a chance that Roe v. Wade, once she's confirmed to the court, 
And I know the Democrats are saying they're going to pack the court and all that, and they're playing games with the American public. Joe Biden has said, well, I'm not going to tell you. You have to wait until, you know, he said the the voters don't deserve to know until after. That was one of his statements. He said, we don't know, the, the electorate. We don't need to know. We don't deserve to know until after the election. Well, he has now had been kind of fleshed out of cover. I mean, he comes out of his basement once in a while. And I mean that literally. I'm not overstating. Five days last week, he, he was in his basement. He said he was preparing for the uh, debate, but he wasn't. He, he really wasn't. I mean, he probably was off and on. But he was in the basement because he couldn't face reporters over his son, Hunter, and his and his brother James' involvement in taking millions and millions and millions of dollars from countries that really are very competitive with us and would undermine us in a heartbeat to become dominant in the world. That's what he was hiding from. He just didn't want to face it till after the election. The press is very complicit with him, and they're not even asking him about it. And when they do, one reporter asked him about it over the weekend. It was either Saturday or yesterday, and he yelled at them, swore at them, and walked away. And he gets away with it. It was hardly reported. So that's where we are in our world today. And when you put on top of all of that, Judge Amy Coney Barrett, (laughs) deeply religious. She says she and her husband and all their kids, seven of them, live by biblical truth. And they live that out in their lives. And by all accounts, people on both sides of the aisle, Democrat, Republican, conservative, progressive, so-called, they all say she's the most brilliant, legal mind they have ever met or spoken to. So they had a session yesterday, a rare weekend session, the Senate. They voted yesterday on Sunday to limit debate on Judge Amy Coney Barrett's Supreme Court nomination, opening the door for her to be confirmed by the Supreme Court sometime today under the rules that the Senate has now and the rules that were set up over the objection of the Republicans by the Democrats to assist Barack Obama, by those rules, the Senate could vote today as early as 7 p.m. today, Eastern Time. That would be 4 o'clock here in the West this afternoon. I expect that to happen. In fact, I'm told it will happen unless something changes that. Biden has finally responded, as I said, to judge this whole matter of Judge Barrett and her confirmation to the Supreme Court. By tomorrow morning, she very likely and should be on the Supreme Court. America is in the fight for our life, the lives of the unborn, the life of America, a good and gracious and godly country. Oh, not everyone has ever been a Christian in America. It was never that way. There was a time when the majority were Christian. There was a time when the majority believed the Bible, even if they were living in contradiction to the biblical teaching. They would say, I know I'm not living by the good book. I should get my life right. I mean, there was a conviction in America, even among those who didn't embrace Christianity or embrace the Bible. They knew it to be true. But we live in a different America now. But confirming Trump's third constitutional nominee to the Supreme Court will probably and very likely happen today. I can't see them postponing it beyond the 7 o'clock Eastern time because I got to tell you, 
Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican senators, they have stepped up. I have been critical on this program. I'm a Republican, but I've been critical of some of our elected officials because they have in the past, it seems to me at least, they've faltered. They've told us one thing and then they haven't come through when they should have because it was a hard decision on their part. That has not been the case. Now, I can tell you I've studied I mean, more than I want to know about this whole process as it's played out in front of us. And I got to tell you, these guys, Mitch McConnell and all the senators, with the exception of a couple, and I'll tell you who they are, they have not blinked on this. They have been true to what they promised to do. President Trump has been true to what he promised America he would do. He's chosen from that list that he announced before he was ever elected as president. All Democrats are expected to vote against Barrett's nomination. But thank God there are still enough to confirm her. Yesterday, Senators Lisa Makrowski from Alaska and Susan Collins from Maine, they sided with the Democrats in voting against limiting debate, limiting a filibuster. That was the step that needed to be taken and they need 30 hours following that step before they can actually confirm, vote to confirm. That's why the 7 o'clock Eastern time is important today. But they voted with the Democrats. They had all kinds of Mickey Mouse kinds of reasons for doing so, and oh, deeply their conscience and all that. There's no way you can find it in your conscience to kill babies. I mean, there there just isn't. So those people, I don't know, their, their conscience may be so seared, I don't know why they're Republicans. I really don't. They just need to move on and do something else. But they haven't. But anyway, Susan Collins stayed with her um, with her choice. She will not be voting to um, confirm Amy Coney Barrett today or whenever that vote happens. And as I said, it, I'm certain it'll be today. Murkowski from Alaska, she said, well, she said, I voted in principle against the um, the whole idea of of eliminating the filibuster. But she said, I will be voting yes when the confirmation uh, vote comes up tomorrow, which is today, Monday. Collins, she says she's not going to do it. She said it's too close to the November 3 election. That's a lie. It isn't too close. There is no reason that it is, except that manufactured by the Chuck Schumer's and the Nancy Pelosi's. On Saturday, Murkowski said on the Senate floor, I believe that the only way to put us back on the path of appropriate consideration of judicial nominees is to evaluate Judge Barrett as we would want to be judged on the merits of her qualifications. So she was giving herself the right to vote because she has intellectually thought through the whole process And that would be the fair thing to do. So she said, I will be a yes vote. Republicans only need 51 votes to confirm a new justice, meaning that with the 53-member majority the Republicans have, the GOP can afford to lose up to three Republican votes because Vice President Pence is able to cast a tie-breaking vote in any situation in the Senate. So if there were a 50-50 split, Pence will vote. It doesn't appear that's going to happen, and so Pence's vote won't be needed. Emperor Mitt Romney 
he's been trying to get as much media attention as he can. He, he finally decided, he said after deep consideration, he's going to vote to confirm Judge Barrett. I don't know why the Mormons in Utah keep electing him. I really don't, but they do, and it's their business. But I, I don't I don't understand where they're coming. He doesn't seem to represent much of anything that the Mormon people I know believe in, really. I But maybe I'm probably missing something there, but anyway. De- Democrats Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Ocasio-Cortez, and others, they've been threatening to pack the court. Biden, as I said earlier, finally admitted this weekend The Democrats plan to retake the court with trickery. Here's what they plan to do. Now, I've mentioned it before on this program, and it's been mentioned in some conservative news stories. President uh, FDR, he tried to pack the court, Franklin D. Roosevelt, a Democrat, tried to pack the court to establish enough uh, court power to get his legislation through. So he felt that he needed more seats on the court who were there, put there by him uh, and his progressive ideas. And um, it didn't go over. It, it failed miserably. And he was fairly popular among, you know, the, especially among the, the left. And they just, he couldn't make it happen. And that's been some years ago. So the idea has been that, well, things have changed in America. We've become more secular. We've become more liberal. We've become more progressive. And we have. So now it's been thought that, well, we could we could try that again and it'll work this time. But Joe Biden has been a little a bit afraid to, to come out and say what he really believes uh, and what Kamala Harris, his running mate, really believes about that. He doesn't have any problem with packing the court, but he has to act like he does, because if they don't get the moderate votes in this election that's going to be finalized, uh, hopefully, at least it'll reach a state of finalization next Tuesday. I doubt that we'll know who the president is when we go to bed this next Tuesday night, but Maybe we will. I hope we do. But um, whatever. I mean, it's it's going to be quite the event in America, to say the least. But anyway, Biden knows that about half, you know, a, a lot of the votes, about half the moderates out there are not pro-abortion. And he has to have a pretty big moderate vote to win. And he's counting on that. So the last thing he wants to say is that he's in favor. He's in favor of packing the court because they don't want to pack the court. The liberals, the far left, of course, whatever. All they're focused on is power, just raw power. Biden had a friendly chat with CBS over the weekend. Trump had one not so friendly. I'm sure you've heard about that. I wish we had an hour today. I'd like to cover all the things that are happening. We don't, and I can't. I have about seven minutes left uh, this morning. But Joe had a Biden had a friendly chat with CBS. It was called a you know an interview, but it really was a chat. But anyway, he told his enabler, the interviewer, that he plans to set up a bipartisan commission of scholars from across the ideological spectrum to explore ways to change the Supreme Court. He said, I'm quoting Joe, he said, and I will ask them to over 180 days come back to me with recommendations as to how to reform the court system because it's getting out of whack. The reason it's getting out of whack is because the Democrats have kept changing the rules. And Mitch McConnell on the floor yesterday called them out and he gave one of the most powerful presentations that I have heard from any politician. And I haven't always thought he was stepping up to the plate like he should, to be honest with you, but boy, he has on this issue. And it's been a great 
you know, kind of a relief, kind of a joy to me to see him do what he's supposed to do. And boy, he has. He's really stepped up. Joe Biden says it's not about court packing. He said there's a number of other things that our constitutional scholars have debated, and I've looked into to see what recommendations that commission might take. To me, this appears just another attempt on Biden's part to mislead the public. It seems to me he's trying to stand on both sides of the issue of packing the court. Democrats on both sides of the issue are upset at him. That often happens when you try to walk on both sides of the aisle. Either side gets upset with you because you don't believe in anything. That's what a moderate does. They don't believe in anything, really. They just kind of believe in bits and pieces of everything. Well, he's trying to be that. After 47 years in politics, I would think that he would be a little more skilled at deception. But he isn't. He's not very good at deceiving, except where the money is concerned and his son, Hunter. But the lies, he just lies and moves on because the press will cover him, and he he knows that. It's unfortunate, but it's true. Senator Ted Cruz wasn't isn't fooled by Biden and the left. He says that Biden's whole idea is truly radical. And Ted Cruz has proposed a constitutional amendment to lock down the number of Supreme Court justices at the current number of nine. I hope that gets some legs and I hope it happens. He says our constitutional rights hang in the balance and we are only one vote away. In fact, he's written a little book on that titled One Vote Away. The current Senate Minority Leader, Chuck Schumer, says, My view, everything is on the table when we get the majority. In other words, we'll do whatever it takes to seize power and push our agenda. He said, but first got to get the majority. In that same spirit, this weekend, Nancy Pelosi announced that she will be running for Speaker of the House again as the Democrats keep control of the House and increase, these are her, her words, increase the numbers of Democrats in the House of Representatives. Do you know that if half the 40 million self-identified evangelicals who didn't vote in the last election would do so, and they would vote for what they claim to believe regarding just the sanctity of life, no matter how much they dislike Trump and dislike his Twitter and dislike his life of failures, moral failures and all of that, he has stood for what we say we believe in. And then when we co- when it comes down to choosing between a Joe Biden, who is Mr. Abortion, and all of his colleagues, and voting for someone who has miserably failed in their moral life, of course he has. They go with Biden, who wants to kill more babies. I, don't, I, I cannot for the life of me as a pastor and just as a person, I cannot figure out what in the world you people are thinking that do that. I cannot piece that together. You're a lot smarter than I am if you can figure out how to justify in your conscience and before your God as an evangelical by your own identification how you can vote for more abortion dragging babies out of the womb of their mother and killing them because she's not quite ready to have a child yet or whatever. How do you reconcile that? When you say your prayers at night, and I I would assume you do if you're an evangelical, you're a biblical Christian, how do you reconcile that? How do you come to grips with that in your own conscience? Man, I couldn't. I couldn't vote for someone. I will not vote for someone who tries to advance abortion. How do you do that? It better wash before God because you give an account of that. Every one of us will. 
But on that single issue, a person should easily be able to make up their mind and know who they're going to vote for. I'm out of time. I had so much more to say today. But thanks for being here, and thank you for your support. Box 399-Bellevue-98009. See you tomorrow.